It's the Wayne Cueto Show. It is Wednesday night and you are tuned in on Facebook Live. Hopefully you can join us in the comments. We're going to talk a little bit tonight about what's going on in the world of college football. But I'm wearing my LAFC jersey. You know how MLS loves these Wednesday night games. I'm going to go out and support my boys. LAFC, the black and gold tonight in their game against Sporting Kansas City. That's one Kansas City team I'm not a fan of. And that is Sporting Kansas City. Although, I was very motivated, I would say. I was very intrigued by seeing their fan base and how into the game of soccer they are. And now they have Patrick Mahomes, the one and only, the GOAT. Of course, I love Pat Patrick Mahomes, of course. And now he's part owner. So now we got to compete with Patrick Mahomes. But we got Will Ferrell at, at LAFC. So Will Ferrell, Patrick Mahomes. But it is Wednesday night, and it is uh, getting closer to the football season. It's August already. Uh, we're getting excited for our trip. Uh, it's going to be this month already. August 26 is the day Thursday we kick off our dinner here in L.A. And then Friday, August 27th, the Dodgers home run seats experience. I cannot stress this anymore, especially if you're going to be here um, in L.A. If you're not on the tour, this Dodgers home run experience is now open to anyone. So if you're in L.A. and you are, I don't know, an LAFC fan or something, and you like the Dodgers too, or are you just going to be happen to be in the SoCal area on August 27th, Friday? That's the night before Hawaii football takes on UCLA. So you might be, if you're a Hawaii football fan, you might be here in California uh, to see Hawaii football take on. The Bruins at the Rose Bowl, a historic place, obviously, and something, a place that I am excited to return to. Um, it's, it's, it's really cool to see, like, the, the motifs and everything about the architecture at the Rose Bowl and, like, the Hollywood Bowl, so L.A., so, like, vintage. So it'll be cool for Hawaii football to be playing under that again. Uh, but just a reminder, that is now open that these Dodger home run seats – this is a one-of-a-kind experience in all of Major League Baseball. And uh, I, you don't have to just hear from me. A stadium expert, uh, baseball stadium expert, Zach Campbell, and uh, some of you guys may follow him, he recently did a uh, video, actually, on the home run seats. And I borrowed a little snippet from it so you can you can see what he says. Uh, but these seats are amazing. And he talks about he went early, went for batting practice, caught a bunch of home runs, sat in these home run seats and you're you are in a different section from the people above you you can see on my screen right now if you know dodger stadium and the outfield that very iconic outfield now there's these areas in front that only special vips can get into and that are and those would be the people who hold the tickets to these dodgers home run seats this is the first season fans are able to sit in them they have a person that comes in and you can order food for them which is all included and uh i'll just let uh, the man Zach here talk about it a little bit. If I can find uh, his movie here, yeah, let's 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 let Zach talk about it. But this is um, he went in early. He caught some foul balls. He's a guy that catches a lot of home runs, so he likes to do that too. And you're gonna have a chance to do that even during the game because the Dodgers love to hit a lot of home runs. But this is what Zach had to say. service down here in the home run seats. I put an order for one, two, three, four, five things. Before this game starts, gotta grab a snack. Check this out. A Caesar salad, a vegan hot dog. Two so of these he got the vegan hot dog, desserts. but you can get regular Dodger dogs too. Very, very happy. I'll start with the bite of the hot dog and we'll just go from there. See, that's really cool. I mean, you're literally right there on the fence line at Dodger Stadium. And um, I'm excited because that's going to be my first time in that area, too. And that's I mean, and that that's the thing about experiences like these are very rare. You know, like we don't really have a chance always to 
um, be able to get into these sections because if you're going to games by yourself, for instance, sometimes a lot of these seats, for instance, are not available. I think they have a few that are individually sold, but most of them are sold in groups. Um, ours is going to be the private box D. D is in dog. D is in Dodger dogs, which you are going to be able to eat an unlimited amount of. So eat Dodger dogs to your heart's content. Um, and you saw there he got snacks beforehand, peanuts, popcorn, and you, he ordered even some dessert. So that's all included. That's what I'm talking about, about that fan experience. And that's what I love about, um, you know, sports and, and the way that, that games have evolved and stadiums have evolved because um, that's what is, uh, that's what makes being a fan even more fun than usual, you know, like, um, so I hope you can join us. Uh, and that is something you're going to be hearing about this, this tour. Anyways, this Dodgers home run seats is a part of our, I love LA tour. And, uh, if you've been listening to ESPN 1420 lately, you might've heard our ad. So maybe I'll play it one more time, just in case. For the ultimate sports experience, book a trip with Hawaii sports fans. Check out their I Love LA package, which includes the University of Hawaii football team season opener at UCLA. Plus, the Dodgers hosting the Diamondbacks and Shohei Ohtani and the Angels hosting the Yankees. You'll get amazing seats for the every seats. game. Hawaii sports fans will take away the stress of travel, letting you enjoy the games you love. For more information and available tours, visit hisportsfans.com. HISportsfans.com, that's right. Go check it out because we have two spots remaining. I'm going to have uh, a whole, a full tour, a very small tour because that's what we do here at Hawaii Sports Fans. We do not go with the major, huge you know, buses. We give you the best personalized experience. So hope you can do that. Hope you can join us. That's August 27th. Uh, also, shout out to ESPN 1420 who will be having their virtual sports fest. Uh, at, at Hawaii Sports Fans, that's what we were a part of back in 2012, uh, the Sports Fest. Well, it was live back then. It wasn't virtual. Um, but a lot of the same elements remain. You can see sports demonstrations. You can also see, like, the booths. Like, we had a booth and learn about different companies, learn about um, different services that are being offered, um, you know, for sports fans and for sports-minded people. There's everything. I mean, it's it's an amazing event because it brings together so many different uh, parts of, of fitness and and recovery and uh, mental healthness, uh, mental healthness, <laughs> mental wellness, and health and well-being. Mental illness is mental healthness most of the time. I can tell you that from first-hand experience. But anyways, it is good that we are talking about these things now more as sports fans as well, especially in the wake of Simone Biles. If you've been watching the Olympics, I love the Olympics and. I've been watching a lot every day, every night before I go to bed. And then when I wake up, see what I forgot um, or what I forgot, what I missed while I was sleeping um, because of Japan being on such a different time zone. But it's been fun to see, you know, everything happen. Um, Heidelin Diaz from Philippines. I'm just that was a cool thing for me to see for her uh, first Philippine gold medal. Um, obviously, seeing Carissa Moore win a gold medal. Wow. To be a native Hawaiian and to win a gold medal in the sport that Duke Kahanamoku had hoped to see in the Olympics one day. And a hundred years later, after he had spoken it into existence, um, it finally exists. And it's a really cool thing. And for Chris Amor, Kanakamoli, native Hawaiian, to be able to win the first gold medal. So that's been awesome in the Olympics. And um, that's something we want to go to as well. We would have been there in Tokyo had there been fans. But obviously, with uh, the way things are, it's... Um, this year has not been, yeah, I'm just glad that we have the games to watch and appreciate. So that's been nice. Um, but ESPN 1420 is having their sports festival this weekend. So check it out or this next week, this whole starts this weekend, August 7th, you'll have access to webinars daily as well. And guess what? I get to be one of those webinars or I was, we recorded it and it's going to be about, you know, taking the ultimate fan sports trips and a lot of the places that I've been to and I've gone to across the country and across the globe and, uh, recently going to Copenhagen to the Euro Cup to watch Croatia and Spain and uh, going to Australia, Sydney to watch UH football, but also seeing, you know, National Rugby League there and um, Newcastle, New South Wales, uh, Australia. So a lot of great memories and I go through a bunch of them, but it also talks about just, you know, I want everybody to, to know how relatable I am just as a normal sports fan. I'm just a fan like everyone else. I'm just like those people 
in the stands being excited and calling out my favorite players and just being a part of the atmosphere. And that's what I love. And, you know, that's another reason why I, I don't, I'm not often in the media role or I had a lot of part times in my life where I could have stepped into a lot of media roles on the news and papers, whatever. Uh, and people know this, but the only thing that I can't do is not be able to be a fan, at, especially my team. So it'd be hard to cover my teams. And that's why being a fan, I, I believe is like integral part of, of the game. And these, that's why these teams love to have fans in their stands. And that's how um, we've noticed during the pandemic, how fans have caused a lot of, um, or have, because of not having fans, we've seen a lot of things, anomalies we don't usually see in games because players are used to having fan noise. So um, it's been a it's been a year of learning, and um, we've had a lot of you know things go down when it comes to uh, not being able to go to the games because of the pandemic. So I'm just excited that we get to go to games now, and and, and I'm excited that there is a vaccine and we we've had one available for coming on a year soon. So and now for it to be free and available to everyone is important because uh, that's really the key to ending the pandemic. And it looks like the vaccines may be required uh, for University of Hawaii events in Broadway, um, in New York, in New York City restaurants. I did read that they are planning on requiring vaccines by August 14th or something it says. So, you know, at this point, uh, for those not with vaccines, you should get it. Um, I really believe it's the, the way that we're going to stop the, the pandemic and um, it's going to help you also get into stadiums and that's going to be important too. If stadiums like University of Hawaii, Ching Field requires that because um, they're allowed to do so. Uh, but I, but I, I, uh, I know that if we um, work together with this and that's, that's really going to be the end, the end game here is working together um, as citizens, then the vaccine is going to be a part of it. But the University of Hawaii, you know, with the cases in Hawaii going up so much and now triple digits um, and then that aggregate 622 cases over two day span, like that is a crazy amount of cases. Um, I think it's more important to look at the hospitalization. Obviously, having being infected is important and knowing your status, whether you are infected with COVID is very important because you be passing it along. Like I said last week, I was a breakthrough. I had I have my Pfizer vaccine and I still got infected, but I didn't have any symptoms. Uh, tiny sinus pressure, better than losing my taste, better than having long-term effects, which a lot of people are reporting, or going to the hospital or dying like my friend Mo. You know, rest in love. I think about him every day and I want to think about him at the stadium every day. But, you know, and I, I think... At, I hope at least at the very end, people will see, um, you know, his passing as a wake up call to them. And I think Mo left us with that gift as well, seeing how important it was. I mean, I never thought I would even have a friend that would get really sick, let alone pass away. It's not, it not something I thought would possibly happen. And it did. And it's the reality of it. But that's that's kind of what uh, Hawaii football is looking at, possibly doing. So if that does happen, uh, I, I think that will might be the only uh, solution at this point. At this juncture, we're you know four weeks away from the first game at home, and uh, you know we can't even really have fans in the stands at anything or big gatherings anywhere, let alone nine thousand people into a stadium. So, uh, vaccines is going to be and masks is the way to be able to put nine thousand people into the seats. Which, by the way, if, if you've re received your call, let me know. Um, I know some people have been getting their calls and they're very excited. And by the call, I mean the call for season tickets from the school. Um, so, you know, hopefully I'll be able to. Uh, oh, nah, Milani High School shoots Milani. So you get some comments in the section. So aloha, everybody. Matthew and Shannon um, commenting. Brad, how's it, Brad? Brad uh, uh, got a little bit of a, a glimpse into spring or spring excuse me summer training camp today <laughs> on the Manoa campus so um he did get ushered away apparently but uh hey good good try brad and you know that's that's the real fans we gotta see they wanna you wanna see as close as you can get into the action and you know my grandfather i remember growing up and him wanting to go waking me up and going early to, to training camp 6 a.m 7 a.m to go watch the team practice and it's really cool training camp is a part of 
that experience of being a fan and NFL training camps, especially. I remember when I was a kid and my, I was in New Jersey. My, we were going to go to the Eagles training camp. And my dad was like, don't you want to see Reggie White? And I was like, oh, I do want to see Reggie White. But I was a little kid. I was so, and I, I want to stay with my auntie and her dog and feed him ice cream. Uh, but I did also want to see Reggie White because, you know, he's one of the greatest um, of all time. Of course, Reggie White, the sack master. Uh, but that's that's a memory. It's training camp, being a fan, summertime. So Hawaii football is just like that. We used to have a lot. Of, I think the first time I met Sean Iman actually was at training camp. I think he approached me. Um, but uh, I, I think, you know, we we are adjusting. So last year was kind of a wash, but we still had a great year. We won a, we won a bowl. We have a trophy. I mean, that's amazing to end with a bowl and a trophy and a winning record, being four and three or five and four. Uh, so last year I would I would – call it success maybe a b plus at least um so this year we're gonna have some other elements to, to to worry about but this is coach graham's second year um obviously and i think this is if anything this is now a time um to have um uh, i'm gonna say because matthew's uh milani high 20 year reunion at the milani shack in november mahalo for listening mahalo mahalo um yeah so you know 20 years my piece from Milani Uka Elementary, uh, shout out, um, you know, growing up in uh, the 96789 and still being from there and still being proud. But, um, you know, this is all of us are all tied together by a lot of our sports memories. And Brad, who's on there as well, uh, we all grew up going to games, going to the stadium, going with our parents, going with our grandparents. And our grandparents are too old to go. And our grandparents and our parents are getting to that place where they're, they don't like go. So. That is, a, that is where we are, I think, with UH football is the next generation. I'll see if you're a, a, a millennial, put it that way, um, because millennials, people think, are, are young, but not anymore. A millennial. And, or basically 40. Not that 40 is old. 40 is not old. 40 is the new 20. I'm going to say that right now. Uh, but still, you know, we're a solid adults in, in adulthood. So um, there's a lot of kuleana. And I talked about this last time on my show last week. The responsibility of the fan base to keep you know, the momentum going for this team because we come down to 9,000 fans. It's going to be rough, especially if we hadn't have a year with no fans in the stands. So everybody's going to need to step up. Um, ultimately, we're it's about 17 minutes in the show, but I, I want to talk about conference realignment because Aaron brought it up last week. And, you know, Texas and Oklahoma are moving on to the SEC. Uh, some of you may know a lot of my NCAA experience is working at the conference level. I worked in Division Two at the pa Pacific West Conference. I worked in compliance. I worked in... Um, external affairs. You, some of you saw I did a show on OC16 in Hawaii called PacWest Magazine, and we interviewed athletes and coaches, and we told a lot of the great stories. Um, but the not every conference is the same. Division Two is way different than a lot of Division One, and even within Division Two, you're going to have differences of the conference and the size of the facilities, to the look of the facilities, to the size of the bank account for the you know. College sports is like every other business because it's a business. It's about money at the end of the day. So Texas and um, Oklahoma making the jump is not surprising at me at all because of where they are. So we're looking at the landscape right now prior to the, na the name, image, and likeness legislation. So when us athletes were forced to stay amateurs and not able to make money off of their name, image, and likeness, the NCAA had a little bit more of authoritative stance. And during the pandemic, they lost a lot of that authority too because there was never a uniform statement out from even Dr. Emmert. And we talked about this and I walked the same halls and I sat in a meeting with Dr. Emmert a lot of times in a round table with him. And you got, I got a lot of the same, it's the same, you know, corporate talk that, you know, and, it's caught up with the NCAA eventually because now that these amateur rules and now that these um, uh, the ability to make money off of yourself and off of your ability, now that this legislation is out the window finally, athletes can go and do what they want to do. And um, I just uh, hope that uh, you know it, it it improves the game even more because I think it can. I don't I don't think it's bad. I think kids should be compensated for sure. I mean, especially if, you, if you're going to, like I said, have chronic injury that you take away from your four years, along with a diploma, hopefully, if you graduate. But also the fact that if you are, you know, um, getting hit a lot or turning your ankle, like those things don't just like get better. Like they, they stay with you for a long time, forever, for most people, forever. Back pain, shoulder pain, 
Beth knee pain, tendonitis. Okay, now I'm talking about myself. But still, these players deserve to get paid. So I can UH compete? Can Hawaii? Can Fresno State? Can, um, you know, even Colorado State? Maybe that's a s slight step above University of Hawaii when it comes to um, maybe institutional commitment. Because I don't think across the board, the Mountain West, the uh, the the total the total budgets are still high, like fifty million dollars, which is a lot of money. Wouldn't you love fifty million dollars? Yes, if you have to spread that out and pay for coaches, pay for travel, pay for everything, but the opportunities to bring in revenue, the opportunities to use that money to invest, fifty million dollars is a lot of money. So, I I, I think the school is fine at, at a fifty million dollars. They can still put on a show. They can still bring in. Um, you know, fans, if they if they put the money into the right thing, which is a lot of solid marketing, and uh, uh, you know, and I know they're trying. The school is trying, at least at least at UH, knowing that they have a lot of the onus now, having the stadium on its campus to provide that entertainment value. Um, there's no excuse, and it has to be done. If the game is boring, it'll it's over for UH. I can tell you right now, it's like, and this is why. The experience is important. That's why Hawaii sports fans, I talk about the experience all the time. Would you, if I told you my experience of, oh, I had to wait in line for a day to go and see a game, people would think, man, that's horrible. But if I told you I had to wait in line by sitting in my tent, which was already in a campsite, which was already provided for me with amenities and things to eat and do in London next door to Wimbledon so I can go, that changes the narrative, right? That changes the entire experience because the camping part was fun. I'm not like a huge camper. I'm an Eagle Scout, which I'm always going to drop because I'm very proud of that. But um, I'm not camping too often oh, these days. I'm not you know, taking my backpack up to Peacock Flats. Shout out Peacock Flats on the North Shore of Oahu. Um, but you know, we are uh, humans that you know, we're, we're putting money into things and we want to be entertained back. Literally, at the end of the day, whether whoever wins on the field, and I've said this, it's not about the game. We want to be entertained back. So that's what UH needs to do. Now, with that being said, the conference realignment, it's scary because um, being in Hawaii, for one thing, is already a disadvantage. I, and I think that's why the narrative needs to change for UH. Because a lot of this is about optics, about being in a, a conference, right? The conference views your value basically like optically how you can help because the money is there i am sorry like that anybody can you're going to make money by being in the conference first of all because being in a conference wait, wait well, a conference is a group of schools right like the mountain west boise state the ones that uh plays or the pac-12 which is ucla and wazoo and washington state uh washington and all those schools so they all are you know, taking part and benefiting from a, a television package or a viewing rights package. So that's one of the benefits of being in these conferences. So with that being said, of course, winning a conference championship is wonderful and you need to. We want to have that. And I think the Mountain West is really the right place for Hawaii right now. It's like the right level. Um, and, you know, Hawaii, if, if, if Hawaii gets complacent, uh, the team will be in the bottom, the very bottom. And we've seen that with Norm Chow, right? I mean, when we, when we joined the Pac-12, uh, when we joined the Mountain West in 2012 and Norm Chow's first season, um, our first game at USC, which was also the inaugural tour of Hawaii sports fans, which we saw the Padres, Angels, and Dodgers in three days in a row. Um, and that's the kind of ventures we do. But that kicked off an era, that a new conference being in the Mountain West because of all of the shuffle that was going on at the time. In 2012-11, we know there was a ton of shuffle, right? Teams were leaving here and there and... Um, Hawaii eventually was on the end of the telephone, and um, that's when the whack had dropped football. Uh, and um, that's when there has come some desperation in the air, right? Teams were leaving, going to the Mountain West, and Hawaii finally got in the Mountain West, but had to give consolations. And that's what we need to give away, because Hawaii has to pay travel subsidies to teams to come in within the conference. And that's a lot of money that's coming out of the pocket. So Hawaii is literally paying to play in the Mountain West, paying other schools to play them in the conference. So that is already a, a, a net loss from, from the conference perspective with UH. Um, 
so I would hope that in, in whatever shakeup happens, that at least aspect will be eliminated. But ultimately, and I hate to say this because I don't think it's Boise's the greatest school in the world, but Boise's the best team in the Mountain West. They're the best program. They've proven it for like two decades now. And that was the goal for Coach Rolovich, for Coach Graham, is to knock Boise off. And, you know, neither of them have been able to do it. Coach Graham hasn't been able to do it yet. But, you know, that is the standard. And if that those are the standard bearers, the Broncos, that is, and they decide to leave, I think that could dramatically hurt the Mountain West, which forces me to pull all the way back and look at what the landscape of college football is going to be. So we're thinking right now in the current iteration of college football, which has the NCAA as a semi-authoritative figure over the Power Six conferences, which are the SEC, the Big 12, the Big, um, the ACC, the Pac-12, um, the Big 10, or the Power 5 now, right? There's five Power 5, power five conferences. Those conferences really don't need the NCAA that much anymore. Like, And I think that's going to be ultimately what could decide conference realignment is association realignment. Um, we're at a place now, the SEC can exist by itself. I mean, it could just be the Southeast Conference or America. They could just call it something, I don't know, America's Elite Conference and just have more teams join. And then they have enough money. They can fly across the country. This is basically the NFL. At the SEC level, this is basically the NFL. First of all, the players are really, really good. And the skill players, at least, so you're seeing a lot a different game. And a lot of these players, had there not been a rule in the NFL, right? The NFL, you need to, there's an age rule. So you can't just go from high school to the NFL, uh, which some players would probably be able to do still, even though the NFL is completely competitive as well. Um, so now it's like, well, this is kind of a minor league. So the SEC is going to be the minor league. Kind of like basketball, right? We're always saying in minor league. In, in, in college basketball, the, N the NBA is saying, okay, you have to at least have a year, uh, be a year out of high school. Then, you know, now we're seeing more kids are like, why would I go to college? Like, I have to go to class. I don't get paid. It could win a championship, and it was really fun to win the tournament. So, obviously, those things are huge and, and memories, and I, and I absolutely think that those are something worth playing for, especially if you're a college athlete, to be able to play for NCAA championships. So, not taking anything away from that, but for athletes thinking about, you know, their pro future, they have to start thinking about their monetary uh, their ability to make money right away. And now they're not even thinking, now they can think in college. But there's kids in high school already thinking about that. I just saw a kid who is a class of 2022 kid who's giving up his whole year so he can go a year early, which I honestly don't blame him for that. But as a kid, as a human being, as a boy, I mean, as a kid who went to school, not that I think, I mean, I enjoyed school for the, what it was, but definitely the social part of my senior year. I mean, the, the senior year is definitely a memorable year, right? That's like your last year of like required school. So giving up that whole year, even though you can start cashing in on yourself, um, that's interesting. So that's going to be a new dynamic that will that is going to enter into the foray. Um, but let's see what uh, people are saying in here. Um, Aaron says, do you think Mountain West will be raided? And I, that's what I think. I think Boise could be raided. Um, I don't, and I think, so like I said, when it came to the Pac-12, and I've been a Hawaii for Pac-12 my whole life, for Pac-10, Pac-12, and I think if we had time, if we had a governor, and I think it really takes that much, like it would be the governor would have to like really be behind it and be like, I'm bringing the force of the legislature. I'm bringing um, these powerful P3 partnerships that we're trying to use now public pro private partnerships to build our stadium and finance it i'd be financing a huge loan to get into the pac-12 like how much do you want whatever 10 million uh you know whatever 100 million dollars you know whatever it costs you know pay a loan over a, a top of years you're going to make the money back and that's the thing like being in these conferences you're going to get so much money back but boise is the only one that i see success wise and i'm saying it's about optics Yes, Boise, Idaho adding to the Pac-12 mix. Would that be weird? Kind of. I almost see them in Big 12 being um, yeah, being better there. Uh, Matthew says, I think of anything, Big 12 raids us. And I think that's and that's why I think. I think Boise could get raided by Big 12. There's more of like that mountain feel, and they could take like Colorado State. 
Um, and Colorado State, um, well, and I only say Colorado State because they're also another mountain school, but they also have a big, uh, they have, I believe, the largest um, in the Mountain West. They have the largest budget, and they have a really nice stadium. Uh, if you've been to Fort Collins, it's, it's an interesting place. Obviously, some people know about an incident that I was involved in last time I was in Fort Collins, but um, so I'm not super fond of all other fans, but I think that that could happen. Um, I think UH, so like I said, I had um, the mayor, Blangiardi, on my show right before the election, and he talked about meeting, taking meetings with Pac-12 officials when he was in Los Angeles and um, actually how far apart he felt like the discussions were. He didn't feel like there was really a legitimate chance, which is kind of sad because I, I, I still feel that way. I, I, I would love to see Hawaii in a, you know, in a, in a good conference. But, um, you know, it's uh, – and I think Pac-12 is the one that makes the most sense. And before I was on the train of independent, but who knows, we might be independent – in the new NCAA. And that's why I'm thinking we're thinking in the context of what it's currently happening, but I'm, I really think the NCAA is going to get blown up if, and if it hasn't, um, I mean, it's already been cracked, right? Once, once the power five started getting autonomy, once they were able to cover full cost of attendance, plus add, you know, some, um, that kind of changed the game a little bit. So players were starting to get some money players do. I mean, some players are getting more money, in their stipend than like people that live and you know and have to have a real job a minimum wage job which is not good at all for the i mean every all wages should go up is my point uh but this could be a game changer obviously if players are paid you know like minor league salaries like fifteen thousand dollars a year and i don't think that's bad you know 10 grand a year 50 grand a year you know that that could happen hawaii needs to tap into asian and pacific tv market and i agree with that as well um, I agree. Pac-12 is probably never going to take a Cal State school as well, and I know that's just that's just comes with their um, that's just the difference between the UC and Cal State schools, if you know what I mean. So that's true. I don't think the Pac-12 would ever take a Cal State school, um, and I and I think I, I agree with Hawaii needing to leverage the Asian and Pacific TV market. I think that's Hawaii's strength. Who we are as a team of the Pacific is a strength. Being on the Pacific Rim, Australia, New Zealand, Samoa, Tonga. You know, Micronesia. I mean, let's get the best athletes from all over the place and leverage that as well and garner interest. And that's that's a part of growing the program. That's a part of growing the brand because people love football already, especially in Hawaii. It's like everyone, people like football. America, America, people like football. So how can we take it more than just football? Because people in Hawaii, a lot of people will just, you know, wait for Fridays and watch their OA games on OC16 or and then Sundays wait for NFL. It's like Saturdays they'll take the day off because, oh, yeah, UH football, but nah. And that's what needs to change. Um, Aaron says Pac-12 and Big 12 officials met today for a possible merger. Um, if that's true, that, that would be huge. Um, and that would be the end of it. And that's what I'm saying. That would be like the NCAA wouldn't need to exist anymore. That would be pointless. Um, UH doesn't need to spend $200 million for on-campus stadium. I agree with that as well. But they need to meet um, – but they need to keep this game on campus – so uh, the school needs to keep revenue coming. I, I, and I agree. I, don't, I think we need to look long-term with the stadium too, and I hope the school already has revenue opportunities lined up, which they, which they should if they're going to make this beautiful facility on campus. There should be revenue opportunities in the future that they're already thinking of, that, of ways they can de generate it. But if we're going to move into the new stadium, eventually, yes, it does seem crazy. In my opinion, I would have loved to just pull – you could have just Hamajang pushed in metal bleachers and pushed in as many as you could and just rented them like the 18th hole at, you know, Wailea or whatever. And, you know, I, I mean, it might not still be 9,000. So I'm not saying that it would have been, but um, it's not really for the aesthetics for me. It's just like how many people we can get in there. And that's hoping we do get people in there. Like we said, we don't know if we are going to have this year. Um, the NCAA conference requirements, obviously 15K, we already talked about 15,000 attendance, 9,000, obviously not going to meet that. So the school got a waiver. Uh, my fear is we were not that far up above five fifteen thousand before. So after we cut people out of the stadium, after we offend people and people start leaving, and then we, um, you know, because that's just natural. It's what's going to happen. It's just facts. Um, it's not like everybody's going to be like, you know what? You're right. I haven't. I didn't donate the most money, even though I've been a fan for thirty seven years and never miss a game. It's okay that I take a year off. Like people aren't going to always have that attitude and i don't blame them for not because 
being a fan of this team too is it's not like the team is uber successful that's another thing it's not like we're cheering down Boise like that that level of success as fans we have to like wait for for successful moments we have to like just just endure so I'm talking like we need a reward as well for fans who've been around this program for a long time especially when we weren't winning any games um I went to mostly every game the 0 and 12 season as a kid and one in 11. Uh, I was I never and I haven't missed a home game at the stadium since you know 2007. I haven't missed one in 14 years, so that could happen to me even this year. I haven't got the call, um, but it is what it is. So it is what it is. Um, Matthew also says 70 million can build you a 30,000 seat stadium. Check out Miami FC Stadium. Yeah, those those MLS stadiums are are a good example. Like I talked about the LAFC Stadium. I talk about. Um, that stadium we went to in Dallas where Hawaii played at the New Mexico Bowl, FC Dallas' stadium. Those are like more miniature size stadiums. And yeah, you could put 30,000. And it doesn't have to be super fancy. So it, I think it's more about like if we can uh, get huge platforms and have peop- have standing room. Like it's about the experience in the stadium. So it's not just about the views. So how can we make it the stadium? And I think TC Ching is the way it's set up and the way it's like nestled between that's Murakami, between the pool, between the stand sheriff. Like, there's a lot of opportunity to to use more of that real estate and be creative with it. Because even if we let people come into the stadium, if you can't see the field, oh well. I mean, Jerry Jones does not care if people can't see the field, and he sells him a standing room only ticket. But that dude is willing. He's like on Sundays in his stadium, he's gonna want as many people as he can get in there, and probably to the chagrin of the fire chief. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it's all about how much you can fit, how much revenue can you pull. So I'm hoping Hawaii can pull as much revenue as they can. That's that's the main thing. Um, and that'll be scary having to pay into another conference. So if we get if we get I, I mean, that's why I'm saying if the Mountain West, if if the best. If there is a breakaway, put away, put it that way. And I feel like there will be like either the NCAA goes away completely or the power five just break out and form like a power, like the American athletic conference or something, you know, or that whatever they they create their own league, um, which they could do and which they probably should at this point. It's like, really, what's the point? I mean, like Dr. Ember, NCAA president, he just looks like so impotent compared to these SEC, uh, the commissioner and to these ADs. He has no leverage at all. So I don't, the bigger question is like, would, would Hawaii be invited into that, that Uber super league of champions? Probably not, but I wouldn't care. I, I, I wouldn't be bothered by that. Um, I mean, and I think Hawaii, I think we've been in a position long enough. Hey, we haven't had a legitimate cha- chance at a national championship. Even when we were in 2007, even when we were undefeated, I mean, we were happy to get in BCS, and we, we saw that as our ceiling. But we weren't thinking, like, national title. But I think if, if the big boys leave, the Power Five leaves, if, like, even if they take BYU and Boise with them, BYU is kind of – so BYU is weird, right? Because BYU counts as a major when they play majors. So that's why they call themselves power, even though they're not, really. They're kind of mid-major. They're in the beginning. They're in the middle. But if they go and Boise goes, um, I mean, they, they don't need conferences. They could just have leagues like the NFL. They could have AFC and NFC. Like That's why I'm saying. Like Everything can change now, especially with legislation changing. And that's kind of exciting, too, because we had some random BS that the NCAA has pulled on us as Hawaii fans, have stripped titles, have stripped awards away. So I think it's really important that we, um, you know, contextualize where we are right now as a as a team as a program which i'd say we're not trending in the right direction i think this the team is probably the school is probably getting more is taking more revenue in because they've been asking for more donations so of course just to be a, a little bit of an anomaly this year or an outlier of a year of donations so i'm talking about how are we trending and i talked to shane about this as well, we talked about like our long-term effects. I we can't just expect the team to be there every year because who knows? You know, anything can happen. And uh, when we're teetering at a place where we're trying to pay bills and keep fans happy, you know, the brand takes a hit as well. So even if everything goes well, or even if everything, you know, with the stadium and it builds on time, nine thousand and fifteen thousand and twenty thousand, 
Are we going to get into 35,000? Are we going to ever get to fill 35,000? I mean, we barely hit 30, I think, during Rolo years. I mean, we had 10 win season and we won the division championship against San Diego State and we barely got 20,000 people in Aloha Stadium. That's unacceptable. And I always use that game because we were in a championship game, division title. So that this doesn't give me much hope. Um, so that that's the onus on the school, on the department, to get more fans, to raise the favorability of the product um, in the eyes of new fans, but also local people who were fans maybe when they were kids or with, with their parents. So that's that's my... that. It, to me, that's more important in terms of long term. And those are, you know, build bridges that can be built offline without money, not just asking people for money, not just looking for donations, but actually building those relationships. And it's hard because a lot of, you know, Division One programs flat out don't want to make or don't see the the value in having relationships with ordinary people. And I'm just going to put it that way. If you're rich and you have money, I mean, you can get into any door. I mean, that's America too. But when you are a program that's just feeding off money, we need more money, we need more money. And then you, that's, that's my bigger issue. And that Boise is already experiencing that. And we talked about this because that Mountain West Championship game, when I went to Mountain West Championship after we beat San Diego State in that divisional title game and we went to Boise, not even Boise could fill its stadium. It was Their stadium was about two-thirds at the most for the championship game, which was in the afternoon at a favorable time slot with good weather for them at that time of the year, which was still freezing. But still, not as freezing as it was when we had a night game earlier in the year. So I'm saying like every team is being affected by this. So it's just like, where is sports going? College sports is going the way of, you know, get more money, get more money. Then eventually they're going to squeeze fans out. That's another thing. Like the NFL is an NBA has been putting the squeeze on and fans are still coming. Like people like to point out like, oh, everyone's offended by like the politics of it. It's like, no, people are still going and paying a lot of money. I included. Um, but the product is changing. It evolves. Um, Let's see. UH is not really in a strong position for PAC admission, Sean says. Um, only hope would be to divert the share and be a non-member member. PAC schools could probably not be in favor of admitting us. More local kids would probably stay home. That that would also hurt them as well. True. A lot of teams would probably be saying, we don't want Hawaii in our, in our conference because we recruit there now. And that's going to keep happening. Marcus, to, uh, this is at the beginning, right? I mean, we... Hawaii is going to be rated. Hawaii talent will be rated, which is a good thing for Hawaii talent as well. Um, but that could have an effect. That's a good point. Uh, Matthew also says, I agree. SEC should just take USC, Oregon, Michigan, Ohio State, start their own league. We have another 100 FBS schools. It'll work. Yeah, that, and I think that's what will happen. It'll probably be like the top or the richest, whatever, 40 schools. I mean, it might be like the current, who's in the current Power Five. Um, clearly, SEC is in the driver's seat right now. They're like the top dog, right? So Commissioner Slive is probably having a is excited. He has the most leverage right now. He has schools committed to him and his conference more than to the NCAA. I mean, the NCAA is becoming really irrelevant by the minute. And you know, somebody that I roamed those halls in Indianapolis for four years, serving on a committee. Um, I know that uh, there's a lot of bureaucracy there. There's a lot of it's it's like a lot of corporations. A lot of people have the wrong idea of what the NCAA is because it actually is members. It actually is the, the schools and their representatives working there. Obviously, there are official NCAA employees, but there are facilitators for the whole. They're not actually like Dr. Emmert came from the University of Washington where he was president. He was president of a bunch of other schools too, but it's all incestuous in a lot of ways too, these relationships. So at the end of the day, right, Sean, it's about the relationships. And I think the NCAA uh, or SEC is in the driver's seat there. Um, they clearly are in the front row I mean, taking already robbing the Big 12 of their, their two flagship programs. And that's the thing. There's not just robbing like the bottom of the crater. They're taking the top. Um, obviously, I'm pretty sure Texas and Oklahoma agitated for this uh, because they saw the writing on the wall. And I think Texas is one of those teams, too, that's still looking for its like national relevancy again for football. Uh, you know, it's just been a while since we've seen Texas football 
you know, be at the very, very top of the ladder. So I think this is a good chance for them and they get to be in the NCC. But it's going to be crazy. And it's going to be fun too. Let's say as, as fans, we are going to, as football fans, it's going to be fun to, to see all the new teams and see all the new, um, you know, uh, rivalries that, that happen. But I, I don't see Hawaii being invited to the party until unless they're very proactive like right now. And let's say, I don't know, if Dave Matlin has a good relationship with Mike Slive or any relationship at all, I think it's very important. When I worked in college athletics, you've got to network with people in every state, basically, because there's people that work in college athletics all over the place in random cities that you'll never think about. Because a lot of big big schools are in random cities, right? They're not in like the major metropolises. So you have friends in places everywhere, and they're always moving. And that Rolodex or now your contact list on your phone should be filled with all these people. Those are the people that are going to help fill your football holes on your schedule. So that's going to be on on Matlin and the rest of them. They just can't sit behind. You just cannot wait to see where the chips fall and then be like, oh, here's Hawaii again trying to pay their way into a conference. I I just can't see that happening. Um, Or that's not going to be beneficial at all because if we are – always behind the eight ball and like we are with this conference current system paying travel subsidies to San Jose state to come and play us and everybody else in the pack in the mountain West that needs to change for sure. Matthew also says stadium experience and stadium itself was terrible. I think that's a big thing. Yep. When June was here, we had mascot pregame and bands playing lunch wagons, etc. Yeah. I mean, even Vili. I mean, Vili. And we love Vili. Vili sometimes would cheer on when we were on offense too, which was really annoying. But I think he just got into the game. So we love that he, uh, you know, kept a spirited atmosphere. But he was something that people would see. And it's funny, when you see people that come to Hawaii who are just there, like me, sports travelers, who just want to be at a game to see a Hawaii football game, which we need to invest more into, finding people who just want to be there, like tourists. That's another thing. I don't even know why the concierge should have like a bus that picks up tourists. Like, it's American football. Like, it's still football. Like, it's... It, it should that experience is a part of where that's what I do when I go anywhere. I go and see games. I go watch games. That's literally what I do. I just came from Europe. Whether I'm in Europe, whether I'm in Asia, whether it doesn't matter. Taiwan, I see a game anywhere where I am, and that's that's a part of Hawaii. If Hawaii is a tourism place, which I'm all for minimizing our tourism impact in Hawaii. It's already overblown. And this is someone that travels a lot and is a tourist, a professional tourist by trade. We, we, we definitely need to curb it. But um, in Hawaii, you know, and, and the traditions that we have with football is a part of our culture as well. Like the traditions in the, in the parking lot, the tailgating, and that's all wrapped into UH football. That's all wrapped into our relationships with our grandparents and with our, our kupuna and you know, just with all the people that have been in our lives forever because, you know, we've uh, been through a lot. And like Brad says, we must be the greatest fans in the world. Um, and that's probably why we have to, we'd have to go through a lot. And I think for the future, in my opinion, we need to be much more proactive, especially when it comes to the, conf- the conference shakeup. Um, all I can say is the game has changed. This is not going to be like the same conference makeup shakeup of 2011 12 10 this is going to be all brand new shake this is this could be the end of the ncaa which i see more likely so um, hawaii staying in the mountain west i think will be okay but i could see boise being poached if the ncaa stays the way it is boise gets poached it's not good for uh i think there needs to be uh and i think there should be a separate division already anyways like a like the, how they had one a two a or now they have scs fbs but like FBS one, FBS two champion. Like there has to be a way for the mid majors to also be awarded. Like it is a travesty for central Florida to be that dominant really. And even going to a BCS game and beat the crap out of Auburn and still not get really considered for the national championship. And and I'm sure they knew going into that game, no matter the outcome, they weren't going to be considered as national championships, just given that they are mid majors. And that's something we've always dealt with, right, at Hawaii. And that's something that we need to take back and be like, hey, I don't think we should continue to do this. Maybe we should find a way that it's possible to be national champs. And that's going to be a discussion that's, I'm sure, already going on amongst Mountain West, Sun Belt, you know, the, the teams that are um, 
on the fringes of FBS because everything will change. So I, I think as long as the program stays healthy, um, as, as long as it can keep an average, I think the biggest test will be this year with the fans in the seats. I mean, can we can we sell out 15,000? 9,000 better be a sellout. Better be a sellout. And that's the thing. If we're getting below 9,000, it's not going to just grow the next year. Like just naturally like, oh, now I'm going to come back. That's, have you heard anybody in Hawaii ever say that? No. Um, that's just not going to happen. So the, the, the goal is to keep people around, keep people engaged, and keep people happy. So can the team do that? Well, one way to stay happy is to come with Hawaii sports fans on our trips. And, um, you know, I don't know. I keep hearing this ad on 1420. Maybe you've heard it too. Let's hear it again. For the ultimate sports experience, book a trip with Hawaii sports fans. Check out their I Love LA package, which includes the University of Hawaii football team season opener at UCLA. Plus, the Dodgers hosting the Diamondbacks and Shohei Ohtani at the, the hosting the Rockies. Hosting the that Yankees. was my fault, though. You'll get amazing seats for every game. Hawaii sports fans will take away the stress of travel, letting you enjoy the games you love. For more information and available tours, visit hisportsfans.com. Hisportsfans.com. That's where it's at. We got the 1420 Virtual Sports Fest coming up. I'll be a part of it. Wayne Kwaito, I'll be speaking. I'll be one of the speakers in the auditorium. Go check out my webinar. Go check out our booth. Go check out all the new things that we have coming up. And please come join us in LA for this really amazing tour that's coming up. And I'm so excited for it. Even get to see Shohei, my boy Shohei Otani, who I love so much. You get to see him play the Yankees. And we're going to see it from a suite food, alcohol, the whole shebang. We do the best here at Hawaii Sports Fans. Come along with us. Hope to see you next week as well. Mahalo for joining us. Aloha.